and Talk. Hello and welcome to Grow Up and Talk. Uh, this is Alex LaHue, uh, pastor at Messiah Lutheran Church. I have Aaron alongside me as well, uh, but today our special guest is Caleb Smith. And we are here to talk about God's Word because we believe that eternities are changed when Jesus followers grow up in their faith. One of the best ways to grow spiritually is to read God's Word and talk about it. So, before we jump in, Caleb, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, hi. Thank you, Alex, and thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Caleb Smith, and I am 30 years old. I'm a local here of San Antonio, Texas, just south of Bernie. I am also a member here at Messiah Lutheran Bernie. And I am on the Board of Lay Ministry Missions. That's actually my new assignment here. Uh, It's about a month or two into that. And so I'm excited to be with you today. Awesome. Um, So tell us a little bit about like what missions is about like what do you do with missions what are some things that uh, are being done with that yeah so missions is what missions is to me right now is kind of the church's reach so getting out into the local community and beyond and getting involved with various different programs there I'm relatively new to the position but previously, you know, that would involve everything like adult missions, um, supporting various different outlets throughout the community as well. Um, we do everything from game nights to uh, work. We've got a lot of things in the pipeline right now, um, but kind of just cool. general outreach, to be honest. Yeah, awesome. And uh, I know that you and I have enjoyed playing some games together um, recently, uh, but right now we're here to talk about God's Word together, uh, which we haven't done yet, but today we're going to cover our readings from February 15th through uh, February 21, uh, which is Exodus 25 to Exodus 31. Uh, So first, let's do a quick overview of what's going on here. Basically, uh, where we left off last time is Moses went up and to the very top of Mount Sinai to receive from God all of these uh, laws and instructions, and now we get into the part where he's uh, getting from God all of these instructions for building the tabernacle, the place or sanctuary where God is going to um, dwell and guarantee that his presence is is going to be there in that tent that they build. And so he's giving Moses all of these instructions for how to build the tent and all of the items that go along with that. And then um, that also involves like the, the clothes for the priest and Aaron and all of his sons um, and also like little... Uh, like how to collect money and materials even for building the tabernacle. And also at the end, we see there are these two guys with really weird names that are blessed with skills and abilities to kind of uh, do all this artistry. So anyways. I realized Messiah is really slacking in uh, the clothes that they give to the priests, to the pastors here. We need a little (laughs) bit more gold and gemstones and things like that to kind of deck things out for us. Uh, we're just not being biblical enough around here, I think, in our priestly garb. <laughs> well, that's one way to go, high church. Um, but anyways, <laughs> aside from that, and I'll put that on your Amazon wish list. <laughs> <laughs> our, 
Are you starting to regret having him in the room? <laughs> yeah, I am starting to regret having Aaron in the room, um, as I have at times in my life. Um, I know that was that was mean. Anyway, there's God's grace for everything. So, Caleb, was there anything in particular uh, in reading this, uh, you know, section of scripture that stood out to you? Uh, yeah. Well, actually, immediately reading it. You had mentioned earlier that this is a bit of a tough read, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'll agree with you on that point. Reading it initially, uh, man, I had to go over it quite a few times, um, but the first time, the biggest thing that stuck with me is, okay, this is this is complex. There is a lot going on here, and it's a very tedious instruction um, to believe, you know, Moses is taking in all this information of just what must be going through his mind of, okay, did he write this down? I hope he wrote this down because these instructions that God is giving him, is they're just incredibly complex. And it just kind of, for me, it showed the complex nature of how God can work through his complexities. Like everything in the world is complex, and uh, this is no different. Is This is what was required by, by God. So. Yeah, and and that's a really interesting point because like even though it's it's also complex, God is still using earthly stuff and humans to uh work the artistry and like building the artifacts and the the skins that are going to be uh the coverings and veils and the tents. Right. Uh he, he it even talks about like embroidery uh, stuff, designs of angels being uh, woven into like curtains and stuff like that. Yes, and skilled, you know, skilled embroiderers. It's yeah. not just, you know, not your <laughs> average embroiderer. You know, I'm sure he wasn't thinking of somebody like me embroidering, but, you know, someone who's obviously been skilled at this art for some time. Everything, every thought uh, is meticulous. Yeah. And that's something that stand, stood out yeah. for sure. All right, so another thing that I found really interesting was um, the fact that there were the names of the tribes of Israel engraved onto uh, different pieces of the priest's garments or clothes, or um, actually it was like this gold uh, breastplate, and Mm -hmm. there were, I don't know if, if, uh, I didn't catch how many times uh, there were engravings, um, but I know that the names of the tribes of Israel were engraved onto part of uh, the outfit that the priest had to wear. Um, and this was really interesting because it talked about how he's bearing the names of the people before God. And uh, it just kind of reminded me a little bit of how Christ bears our name before, or he bore our name before God on the cross. In baptism, he gives us his name and places that uh, upon us forever. So there was kind of that connection that I thought about when I, I read that, but, uh, and so I found that interesting as well. Um, and also, I, I didn't even realize this at first, but Moses is receiving all of these instructions while he's on Mount Sinai. Um, yeah, and you know, when, we, when he's got those, um, Caleb, you were talking about, um, did he write all this down or whatever? Uh, late, right at the end of, I think, of your reading, it talks about that God gave him the two tablets of the testimony, which if you read ahead into like what next week will be about, 
Um, Moses gets really mad at the bottom of the mountain for a very good reason and throws these tablets down and breaks them. Um, but like, I got to wonder with all this talking that God did, how big are those tablets? Like how heavy are those tablets of stone that, that uh, were given to him? Yeah. And it says at the very end of chapter 30, um, that he gave to Moses after he, uh, finished uh, speaking to him, the two tablets written with the finger of God. So it seems to be that God's working some sort of supernatural thing here and uh, because that would be a lot of work for Moses to write, to like kind of tap into stone and engrave all of that. So it seems like God's doing something supernatural here and writing uh, on that. So uh, anything else that stands out to you uh, before we move on? Um, I mean, I would, I would have to say... You know, obviously the complexity, but I did also see some uh, kind of, I don't want to call it an allegory, but some comparison there between Jesus and and Aaron here Mm -hmm. um, as far as, you know, Aaron's taking these, the sins of the people of Israel, you know, on himself. Literally, he's bearing those sins and kind of how Jesus Christ bore our sins and, it's kind of what I got out of it as yeah. reading it. and Well, I think, I mean, God is obviously designing all this, and you talked about the complexity of it, and so I think that's definitely um, something that he's pointing to, uh, that God is designing this idea of, of bearing the sins uh, before him and that there's a, there is a price that needs to be paid uh, to atone for the sins. Yeah, and it also, you know, given the complexity of everything, it kind of does seem that hmm, how do I how do I phrase this? But it it kind of seems that the fact that he's making it so grand and and so difficult for your you know your average person could never do this on their own, especially at the time you know there's not one person could build a tabernacle on their own, no matter how rich you were or powerful you were, it can't it couldn't be done. It needed this collective of God right. working through these people and working through Moses. And it kind of leads me to that point of, okay, well, we as Christians also need each other, but then also we can't really do it on our own. We need Jesus. Like, we need that high priest in our life to take this upon themselves. Right. So Yeah, no, I think that's a good point because uh, that really stood out to me at the beginning, too, where... uh, God is instructing Moses that he needs to take up a collection of materials and really expensive yeah. material. Um, the whole community has to come together and it involves the whole community and they need, they also, but they also need a priest. So there's somebody appointed for every single thing. Right. And, and like you were saying, Jesus, we need, we need Jesus. We need God directing us. We need God uh, taking the sins of, of, our community and continuing to uh, speak that truth and that forgiveness uh, into our lives. So, yeah, I think that's a good point uh, there. Was there anything uh, that kind of confused you or or that kind of concerned you as you were reading this passage? Anything that um, you weren't sure about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I was, you know, a little bit confused by the number of things. I know there's a little bit of numerology probably going on here, if I were just to take a guess, given that there's 
these set number of rings and these set number of layers of fabrics and the intricacies behind all of that. And, um, you know, I didn't, don't really have much back. I'd have to do more research on why that is or talk to somebody yeah. who would have knowledge, but, um, that was a little confusing for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there, I didn't really, I mean, I noticed a lot of the numbers too, but I didn't look uh, deeply into a lot of that, but there was, um, there is one number that's very common in Christianity, which is the number seven. seven yeah. And mm-hmm. so we see that with the, uh, the lampstand, right. um, and the, the candles there, um, there are seven, you know, branches of, of that lampstand, uh, in, in Jewish, uh, terminology is called the menorah and that's mm-hmm. like the Hebrew word for it. But we also see this, uh, even at Messiah, we have what we know as the candelabra. And those are the two sets of seven candles that are on each side of the altar. Yeah, sure. And, uh, the way I've heard it explained is that the number seven kind of corresponds with the seven days of creation. Um, which also kind of relates to the very end of chapter 30 where God talks about the Sabbath and he reminds the people of um, the seven days of creation, how he he created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested from all that he had done. And there's a really interesting comment. It says that on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So to me that was a, a little kind of weird, a little confusing to hear the word refreshed being spoken of God, like God rested and he was refreshed after resting for that seventh day. So, like this is kind of a completion of things. Yeah. Like we can sit back and take a break that my creation is complete. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's, another, uh, that's another way that this number seven is often described in scripture is it's the number of completion. That um, and, and so seven is often ascribed to God whereas six is often ascribed to men. Uh, so we are short, we fall short of being right. the full completeness of all things. God is like this eminent completeness. And so to have uh, you know that seven kind of displayed throughout the uh, tabernacle and all this stuff is just a reminder of his completeness and his perfection in all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. Anything else uh, that uh, you, you think we should uh, hit on that might be, you know, confusing for people as they're kind of going through uh, this passage? I mean, it's, uh, people are going to find some different things confusing, I think, than mm-hmm. may, maybe I would have. I know I think everyone thinks a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, I did maybe some tips and advice for reading this. Okay. For me, it was a tough read going through the first time. And I read it to myself the first time. Um actually the first two times. Then the third time I read it, I decided to read it out loud, uh, actually to my spouse. And sitting there reading it, as, you know, not even halfway through it, I can fi- kind of feel myself getting a little bit, uh, I don't want to say sarcastic about it, but uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit like, this is outrageous, you know? Yeah. And that thought process is coming out in my voice and my actions and and everything. And immediately what God put on my heart afterwards is, you know, I read the whole thing sarcastically, just like, oh, this is the third time I'm reading this, going through this. This is kind of, this is outrageous. I don't understand. And God kind of using that to put on my heart to say, yeah, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, meditating and praying on it afterwards is like, show me what's going on here. Why, why did you give me this attitude when reading this? 
And kind of what I got from that was, yeah, you don't understand and it's not for you to understand. And my complexity, like you will never understand my complexity. And that's kind of what God kind of just put on my heart afterwards. And so the fact that God can work on my heart in that moment of, it wasn't anger, but it was just frustration yeah, for sure was very illuminating, I, mm. I would suppose. Yeah. Well, that that's really awesome because I think that parallels a lot of what maybe the people of Israel were going through at that time too. Oh, yeah, because, sure. you know, they were, first of all, they were waiting for Moses while he's receiving all of these instructions. And second of all, they had to actually go through with all the instructions eventually and, and, and think about, like, why are we doing all this? They're giving up all their precious yarns and gemstones and, and gold and all that. Of which they um, didn't have a lot at this time anyways, right. I would imagine. So Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I didn't expect you to say something like that, and, I, and that's really awesome because um, I can see how— it also parallels what's going on here. Like the people are having to trust God, even though they don't understand all these numbers and the exact measurements or, okay, why do you want me to embroider this angel right here? Or why do you need to have this ark that's going to hold our laws? And why do we need to have a holy place and a most holy place? Um, So it is interesting to see like how God works. And sometimes we question, okay, why are you working in this way? Um, But Ultimately, it, it does come down to him calling us to trust him with what he's doing, even if it seems kind of, kind of wild. So right, they they were definitely taking a like a leap of faith and putting their putting their efforts towards something that I would imagine a vast majority of them were were probably sitting thinking this this could be futile, you know, but we need to do it. We need to trust and we need to show God that trust and and see what happens. So yeah. Awesome. Um, Just a couple of other things real quick before we move on. In case you're wondering what acacia wood is, uh, which comes up like a ton in this section of Scripture, acacia wood, basically um, the main thing to keep in mind is that it's a uh, really um, precious type of wood, and it was hard to actually get large pieces of acacia wood uh, together like all in one piece. Uh, so that me- meant it, you know, it was, it was hard to like, you know, get the kinds of wooden pieces that you would need to make some of these uh, structures. And so it was rare and uh, really a precious kind of a wood. So yeah. can, uh, can I, you know, I studied a lot of botany and stuff in college. Oh, and so great. So actually when you've come over to my house, that tree that's in the front of my house, that sits okay. there, that's a, it's a, one of a variety of acacia trees. Uh, okay. Rosa. And one cool thing about acacias is if you touch their leaves, it's got like, well, a pinnately compound leaf, which means nothing to a lot of people. But what happens when you touch it is the leaves will actually close up on themselves. And so this tree is kind of like a, not just a living tree, but it's like a living tree. Like you it know, can actually- Reactive kind yeah, of. Yeah, reactive sort of stuff. And so there's something to the life that is in this tree. Yeah. And, and that was something that I read real briefly about like there's- this sort of design in the uh, lampstand to try to make some of the the candles look like blossoms or something like that. And I read that it was um, kind of relating that to this imagery of the tree of life. Um, and there was actually, 
the idea of the tree of life was prevalent in Egyptian culture too. So um, there is some like imagery that the people would have uh, related to as well. Thanks for letting me nerd out on that one. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I'll have <laughs> any, to come over and, and check out your acacia. Well, go touch the leaves on the tree at your home. That would. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see two weirdos in your front yard, yeah, yeah. it's That's because us. I was trying to study God's word diligently. <laughs> All right. Um, before we get to our break, is there anything that gives you like great hope uh, as you're kind of going through uh, this part of the story? Yeah, um, the great hope for me during this section, kind of as I discussed, is God not changing my heart, but working through my frustrations with this reading, Hmm. to be quite frank. And um, that great gave me great hope. It also gave me great hope that, um, you know, that God understood these complexities and it was all planned out and a meticulous plan. And for me, that speaks into my heart that our God has a plan. And that means a lot to me. It, I, for me, it's easier sometimes to believe, but it's also, you know, God, is your plan working out the way you're intending is usually my question and, um, and petition in some prayers is, I understand you have a plan, but is this what you're really planning? Are you sure? Yeah. And for, for this passage, it's God knows exactly what he's planning and it's visible here in the Word. Mm. So. Yeah, that that's a really awesome point, and uh, and thanks for that reminder for me personally too, because uh, I can kind of look at this reading and think, okay, what point are we trying to make here? Yeah, where are we going? Um, with this, yeah. Right? yeah, and so actually at the end of uh, chapter thirty-one, God talks about the Sabbath. He says, "For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you." And that idea of sanctifying, being made holy, God telling his people, I'm the one that makes you holy. I'm the one doing the work here. I'm the one uh, with the plan, the design, and uh, I'm, I'm working it through you. So that, that kind of gave me a, a lot of great hope as I uh, reflected on that. Actually, something that I really, really like, um, which is in... Uh, at the beginning of chapter 31, chapter 31 is just like my go-to here, but it's these guys named Aholiab and Bezalel, uh, and and just so you know, pastors don't always know how to pronounce the names in the Bible. We just kind of make it up as we go along. Um, but anyways, I, I really like how it talked about God filled them with a spirit of skill, and how he placed upon them the Holy Spirit so that they could do all this artistry, which kind of goes into what you were talking about, Caleb, with the complexity and the design of what God is doing, because our God is a God of artistry and excellency. Um, He desires uh, craftsmanship. And so that is something when we create and make stuff, when we make music and art and express ourselves, I think that's a reflection of the creator. I would agree with that. And, you know, much to your point is a lot of this, these talents that these people have are lifetime achievement type talents. And so the gifts and the talents that God gives us, they use to honor God with their gifts. Yeah. And it's a great lesson as Christians of we are all gifted in different ways and how do we utilize those gifts to honor God? That was a great reminder for me as well. Also, the Sabbath being mm. on the seventh day was interesting. You know, as we know, the the seventh day rest, completion, 
Sabbath. It all kind of came together there in that 31st Mm. chapter. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to take a break and we will be right back very shortly. All right, welcome back. Um, after our break, we're going to jump right into uh, our reading again and talk about um, some of the things that maybe we did a little bit more uh, deep digging uh, with. Anything, Caleb, that you kind of looked into or kind of knew already that um, you have a little bit more knowledge about than what you just read on the surface? Yeah, kind of like I said earlier with the numerology. Uh, that stood out to me at first from prior knowledge. And so looking into that a little more and then also the, the colors of the garments and the, um, you know, the curtains and stuff like that being the purples and the blues and, you know, golds. And even these are kind of colors of royalty throughout the Bible and, you know, um, you know, Kings, if you, if you were. And so, to me, my mind went directly to Jesus, of course, like the the King of Kings, kind of building this temple, and even kind of that whole idea being flushed out of my mind. So, yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. I I like that uh, that thinking of you know pointing to Jesus. That's always a really good thing, and mm-hmm. you modeled that really well. Right now, is always thinking about um, how does this point to Jesus. And um, and that's a really important thing to think about, especially going through the Old Testament. Um, something I uh, dug into a little bit was the Ark of the Covenant. Um, basically, the Ark of the Covenant was kind of like a box-like thing and had two poles on each side so that people could, four guys could carry it. And um, so it's just kind of a box-like structure overlaid with gold. And of course, the... Uh, the tablets went inside of that. Um, and also the mercy seat. It's called the mercy seat in a lot of English translation, but really um, the Hebrew word that um, this comes from just means covering. So this is the covering that goes on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, so you probably lift lifted the covering to put the, the tablets and the testimony in it and then placed it back on uh, to close up the Ark of the Covenant and also the priest would sprinkle um, or actually I I think the priest would sprinkle uh, blood on this um, covering of the Ark of the Covenant um, to atone for the sins of the people. So that's kind of um, where we get this idea of a mercy seat. In other words, it's kind of like the throne of God because um, that's how God chose to dwell among his people is being present in the tabernacle and in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And he said to Moses that he was going to appear just above the covering of the Ark of the Covenant. So that's kind of this idea of the mercy seat or throne um, on the Ark of the Covenant. So if you're wondering about that, that's what that is. If you're not, we're moving on. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the application uh, of how, you know, this section in the Bible 
uh, has importance for our lives today as Christians. Aaron has a word. <laughs> oh, well, I just one of the things, I kind of listening to all of this that you guys have been talking about and the complexity of all, the order of it all, and the not understanding, you know, and being okay with not understanding. Um, one of the things, again, looking at to where this points down the way, all of the design in the tabernacle, if you read the whole book, in other words, you read the whole Bible, you get to the end, John's revelation of what heaven is going to look like, and, and it's described as the new Jerusalem or the new temple, a new tabernacle that's going to be there. Much of what we see in this old tabernacle, we see again in the heavenly kingdom, but then it's further described there as what these things are. So you've got bowls of incense in the old tabernacle. In the new Jerusalem in heaven, there's these bowls of incense, and we hear, oh, this is the prayers of the saints that's actually happening on earth, and we see this now revealed here. We see what the lampstands are um, in the old tabernacle. We see lampstands in the new one, and that this represents things for the churches that are on earth right now. And there's things that we get we get this image of. Yeah, we don't understand back here, and and up here on the on the very end, someday when we're in heaven, we're gonna see this in a whole new light and have a whole new understanding and view of what this order is, and that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That He's this God of He's a God of order and purpose and plan, and He's got it all in His. And there's and you talked about the tree of life earlier. Tree of life is a huge image all the way through to from Genesis at the very beginning and creation all the way through to Revelation and and this whole idea that God's got this this plan and this design and it's going to be gorgeous and beautiful and far beyond uh, our understanding. So I could talk on that stuff for a whole long time, but I won't. Yes, we are trying to limit Aaron in his talking time, <laughs> but it is, um, it is fascinating. I, I do appreciate that insight, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, oh, you're so nice, Thank Caleb. You, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb's so that nice. Was Caleb? He, he's a mo- he's like being this awesome model of uh, being a, a really good Jesus follower right now because he's saying like, oh, I read this passage like three times in a row, and then I read it out loud, and I'm like, oh man. Uh. Uh, but anyways, um, screaming in my bathroom, <laughs> frustrated. Yes, that's, that's, that's the model Christian. Oh, oh right yeah. There, well, yes. fair enough. Uh, David did that. Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, Okay, so chime in with your perspective on this, Caleb. Something I thought about a little bit um, in reading all of these tabernacle instructions was actually, and being in as a worship pastor here at Messiah, I think about like some of the meaning and the symbolism behind like the the candles and stuff. We have the candelabra and seven of those, and uh, we have these different artifacts and stuff in our uh, sanctuary here at Messiah, and sometimes we use those. Um, to communicate something about our Christian life or the story uh, of God working um, with his people throughout time. Um, yeah, so that, that was just something I thought about was um, how much do we think about those types of things or even the meaning that has gone uh, behind putting those things in our sanctuary? That's a very, that's a very good question. Um you know, that would definitely be something to consider and discuss with fellow Christians of how are we giving thought and meaning to, is it just the beauty of our temple? Is it uh, functionality of our place of worship? Um, what symbology do we need moving forward to, or do we retain? You see a mm. lot of um, 
you know, modern churches, even that you get this different feeling when you walk into a really old church. I know I do where it's like the, the craftsmanship and the beauty that was spent on some of these, you know, whether it's stained glass or ornate uh, craftsmanship and where is that appreciation now with today's talents? Hmm. Because today's talents and, you know, yesterday's talents and talents from a hundred years ago are different. So what is God speaking to us in our, in our modern talents and what can we offer God in um, honoring him with those gifts that he's given. Us. Right. Yeah, I like that. Um, thinking about how we can honor God uh, in our context today uh, with the spirit of skill that he gives us and gifts um, gives uh, to uh, the people around us in our community. Um, Let me throw a question in there yeah. for you. Okay. Okay. So if the New Testament, the uh, Bible tells us that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And okay. so if we consider our bodies being fearfully and wonderfully made by God, crafted in a very uh, organized and complex way, um, how should we treat our bodies like as temples of the Spirit? Um, obviously, I have this fantastic specimen of a temple right here before you uh, mm. that you can all yes. check out and look at. No, mm. but do, is there... You this, are doing well with your New Year's resolution. I, I tell you that. But... Um, is there something in that, like, does God say, hey, this body isn't just this thing that is going to go away someday, but you should yeah. do this thing well? Yeah. Well, um, I used to like that passage a lot because I was an exercise science major in college, <laughs> <laughs> and I used to think that it had a lot to do with, like, physical activity. Um, I don't really think that really the, like, I think that's a little bit of a jump from what that passage means. But I think kind of what you talk about is that, you know, our bodies are not just shells for our souls. Our bodies are is, is what God has given us. He's gifted us with bodies, and he's going to raise that very body that he's given to us uh, on the last day when Jesus returned. He cares about it as special, and he is a God of physicality. So, Yeah, and for me, I kind of got that we are like the living temple. We are, bear- we are bearing our sins as men, and Jesus bore those sins on the cross, and so we get that weight taken off of us, and thus, you know, our body going through is kind of, it's to me, it's honoring God and honoring those gifts to us. So not just an appearance and physical appearance, but just everything with that, how we act, how we behave, um, walk, walk in life, how we use these bodies. Nice. Interacting with each other, you know? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it, it definitely, you know, because when you go and love your neighbor or you go and give an encouraging word to someone, even though that's a very like emotive, uh, like, mental thing to kind of do, um, you're using your mouth, you're using your feet and your hands to, to bring yourself to that person. And so you're using your body, um, to look like Jesus, to bring Christ, uh, into the world. Well, yeah. I mean, look at, um, you know, it's much easier to be compassionate as well. You try sending a Hmm. compassionate text, to someone, or you try sitting there with someone holding their hand and crying with them. Hmm. There's an impact there, and there's a, you know, the fact that we communicate with our body language, and we communicate um, by touch or feel, and our senses, and everything's there, and in the moment is a great, um, is a very interesting aspect of, 
you know, that gift that God gave us. Yeah. And I like that you said sending a text, a compassionate text, because using our thumbs and our fingers um, and what we type and text to people, uh, either over phone or on the Internet or online, um, is a way that we can display um, temples that honor God. Um, so I think that's something really important to think or about. Or do just today. the opposite. Or the opposite. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're doing. So, yeah. So you're you're using one sense there, and one yeah. sense, you know, sense of touch is can destroy somebody or or hmm. lift someone up. And so what we yeah. choose to do with those individual gifts and how yeah. we communicate is special. Cool. Um, yeah. And one final point is that uh, God is using this tabernacle to bring His presence among the people. Is uh, has a lot to do with how our God is in. I guess an incarnational God. What we mean by that is just he likes to be with people. He he likes to uh, live among his people, and that's what he did when uh, Jesus walked this earth. Um, that's what he's going to do again when he returns. We're going to live with God face to face forever. So um, it definitely points to that, and that's a big. That's why the tabernacle is a big deal. So um, I think. We are ready for our random question from Aaron. This is terrifying. All right, and and this is going to be a special one today. I'm actually going to give you a choice. Left, middle, or right? I always take the middle road. All right, middle. Here we go. We open up the envelope. Crumbling Ah, paper. And it is, if you could disinvent one invention from history, what invention would you disinvent? Oh my goodness. I wonder if disinvent is a word. Yeah, I want to disinvent that word. No. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying not to give a Miss America answer to this question. <laughs> really, really thinking about this heart. Nothing against Miss America. They, they do a fantastic job at <laughs> being Miss America. Um, and they're very special. Man, that's that's a that's a tough on the spot question. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. really like to think about things deeply, but uh, no time for that. Okay, off the cuff, I would probably have to say single invention. Ooh, maybe the nuclear weapon. I don't oh, okay. Oh, okay. nice. That's a very Miss America that's, answer, that, but that is um, a very like, Miss America answer. Peace. But right. you know, yeah. obviously, there's great things that came out of that <laughs> as well. But um. Okay, okay. No, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, man. I passed. What about you? All right. I think I would disinvent. Can I say, I'm going to say transportation. Oh. Um, Ooh, so, like, any, deep. yeah, any, um, like, like planes line. or um, vehicles, any, like, automo, like, any transportation that requires like an engine or something other than just uh, human uh, power. Um, I think it would be interesting to kind of go back to that way of living um, where walking and maybe like bike riding, if bikes, you know, are still able to be around, um, where you had to get around in that way. And that way 
you know, your world was much more localized. So, so we're going to catch you at the next Renaissance Fest nearby, <laughs> right? Is what I'm hearing from or you. Or at the next uh, monastery. Okay, very nice. All right. Um, well, anyways, if you have questions that you want us to address or feedback for us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email uh, your comments and questions to growupandtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Caleb, it's been awesome to have you here on the podcast today. Uh, we've had some really, really interesting discussion, and uh, I think that was just fun to actually talk about some of these things in a section of scripture that is sometimes thought of as not so fun. Uh, But thanks for being here today. It was uh, a good time. Yeah, God's Word is definitely with us through even the dry parts of the Bible, or so what you would think. So definitely got that lesson out of reading this. So thanks for having me. Yeah. Awesome. We will see you next time on Grow Up and Talk. Say bye, Pastor Aaron. Bye, Pastor Aaron. Peace.